we are live from the apocalypse. Hello, welcome. I am JD, aka Casimir Bright, aka Spectral, aka Sometimes Bone Magic, and you are listening to Academy H, our Masks Actual Play Podcast. We are live from the Apocalypse, a not-for-profit TTRPG studio that raises money for progressive causes. Currently, we are raising money for the First Nations Development Institute. If you would like to find out more information about how to donate and support them, you can go to our website, livefromtheapocalypse.com, and find all of those details. Now, right now, my audio is probably coming in clean and crisp and clear, exactly the way we want it. Do not get used to that in the next few episodes. We had some technical difficulties that have since been resolved, but if you notice a marked difference between how I sound right now and how I sound in the episode you're about to hear and the few that follow, that's the reason why. If you're listening to this on the day of its release, you can catch us not this Sunday, but next Sunday at 6pm Eastern Standard Time when we will be recording some new episodes live on Twitch. And you're not going to want to miss it because we have a brand new special guest, Sydney from Nat 20 Productions. Trust me when I say you're going to want to be there. So definitely come and check us out. We record every other Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And without any further ado, let's jump into the next episode, Cause and Effect, Part 1. This is Academy Hot, where everybody's hot, including you. Hey, how's it going? Let's get into some introductions. It's a new arc, so we're going to do that. And guess what? Guess who goes first? <laughs> is, is it me? It is. It's it, Brendan. It is. It is. It me. Hello, everyone. I am Brendan. Uh, I'm back, baby. And I uh, play Alex, obviously, here on Academy H. Also, run Missing Numbers. Elder Shorter sports anime Pokemon game, etc., etc. And then also recently started dropping our Monster of the Week game, Cryptid Community College, from back in the pandemic. You could hear several people from the LFTA cast uh, in a uh, very, very early uh, Lifta production. And aside from that, I run games a lot. Uh, sometimes I even do it for money. If you would like me to run a game for you for money that is good, you can email me at creative.catacombs at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jamie. I play uh, Danny Carseat, the stage, a name he has used, I think, twice at most, who uses the uh, the Harbinger rulebook. And I am a Pacific Northwest-based stand-up comedian. Maybe you've seen me talk about being non-binary on TikTok. Or maybe you know me from my amazing smile, which I'm very self-conscious about all the time. I'm flailing. You can follow me on all social medias at AJMeCarbone. Um, I post memes, I post fake posters, and I love to post about Danny. So sometimes you'll see some stuff about him. Most of the time, though, you'll see me make up a fake Seinfeld dialogue, which also brings me joy. Hey, I'm JD. I play Casimir Bright, a.k.a. Spectral, in Academy H, who uses the Scion rulebook. Uh, You can also find me in Way Too Many Things with Live from the Apocalypse, uh, Class Reunion, and I think that's it for me. Hello, I'm Julia. I am the local Delaware cryptid. I play Lyra Kroll, a.k.a. Bethel. 
who is the Janice playbook, which means um, unlike pretty much most of the heroes in this world, she actively hides her true identity from all of her lovely friends. I am also part of the Class Reunion games. You can find me on pretty much all social media as Hex What. I am most active in the Discord, and uh, sometimes I say things that just lead to a lot of existential dread. Hello, everybody. I'm Will. I already maybe said that. I don't know at this point. And I do stuff here at Live from the Apocalypse. I run a bunch of the games that you've heard, and I play in a bunch of the games you've heard. I run this game, and I edit this game, and it's a lot of fun. And all of it is is good. Okay. So. It has been two weeks since the events of our last episode. And Berkeley. Your young charge has been in stable, if not conscious, condition. Still sort of suspended inside of this bubble of energy that they had created to protect themselves. The members of Squad H have been somewhat scattered during this time, with many different things happening. Most notably, Victory, Alex Sandowski, took a leave of absence from the team and has been occupied with matters of his own. And I think that is a perfect start to your start of session move. Oh, yes, found it. All right, so there are three questions that I have to ask first. Have I been upholding the traditions of my legacy? This one gets a little tricky. Yeah. Always, because your legacy... I could make an argument for yes on the basis of I randomly disappeared for a period of time. He called you Victory Lad, and then you disappeared, so yeah, seems checks out. So I think when we talk about the traditions of your legacy, it's really like an idealized version of it, right? It's like, what, is, yeah. what does Dr. Victory stand for? And obviously Dr. Victory stands for personal betterment you know, science over, uh, or rather like reason over anything else, or reason over feelings, I would say, protecting people, classic superhero stuff. Which, I mean, from that perspective, I think the answer will probably be no, given that Victory chose to prioritize his own feelings and left, arguably, potentially at the expense of Berkeley, which is not ideal. So I think we might might have to call that one a no. I would agree with that assessment. Second question, uh, have I maintained the image of my legacy? For me, I think that would be a yes, simply because uh, you, you, you haven't done anything to have a negative impact on your view in the public eye. But you were starting to build up a little bit of a presence. You were starting to get some attention, and it was positive. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, have I made the other members of my legacy proud? Ain't that a question? Have you been able to hunt him down? I would love to know if I could find Zass. He'd <laughs> <laughs> answer your texts. I will say. That as of your last encounter with him, which was when he greeted you as Victory Lad, as, you know, clear as you had always been that you hated the name Victory Lad, you refused to be Victory Lad, in a way he was sort of acknowledging you and your place within his legacy. Yeah. 
It was it was in in in, in as laudatory a fashion as he could make lad sound. Yes. So, all right. So it sounds like I'm taking a, a cumulative minus one for the one no. I would say so. So I got to roll. I got to roll that savior. I think I'm only at a. Oh wow, no. Okay, well, yeah. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta do something about these labels. I gotta. I gotta do something about them. <laughs> okay. What was uh, that noise? Get that. Just that was the sound of dice uh, rolling off of my desk and into an awkward position. But I saved it, and I actually got boxcars minus one, so 11. Okay. 11 is, uh, is perfectly um, acceptable. Then I think the way this is going to work, we're going to talk about how the past two weeks have been for you in the context of you finding Dr. Victory. Finally, uh, tracking him down and having the conversation that you've been wanting to have for some time now, ever since he brought his powers back. I have been kind of picturing a little bit of a montage of uh, Alex showing up, like, just as he is leaving, (laughs) leaving from some scene or crisis or other. I think so, yes. That makes sense. He, He has been very active and very busy, kind of bouncing all around the city, and even a few places outside of the city. Solving crimes, stopping muggings, defeating supervillains, etc., etc. Yeah, it's been difficult for you to actually get someone on one time. Like you said, you've been showing up pretty much right as he is leaving the scene. But I think at some point, you manage to tail him and follow him back to his secret base. And you have any thoughts about said secret base? I had some notions for how I would stat it when I'm able to take the advance, but I was kind of picturing that it would maybe be uh, hidden in, like, the subway system somewhere. I love that. Um, That makes a lot of sense to me. So there is certainly a subway system for province, excellent public transportation, but I think that it is is probably not the first subway system, uh, or rather it is not the first source of public transportation. We've established that province has excellent bus lines. And I think that there is a train that runs around the city for commuters and the like, but I think that is more in keeping with the monorail model. And in this case, there was a subway system that was uh, that has been largely abandoned by the city itself. I will say, I think that that is a direct result of the um of the cambrian crisis Mm. event that took place in this world where these sort of monstrous reptilian creatures basically swarmed this city one night about 30 years ago roughly the late 80s right because that was when um there was the cambrian crisis when um paragon died right yes exactly okay paragon did perish in the cambrian crisis so about 30 years ago these reptilian monstrous creatures swarmed up from underground and i think in the process uh just kind of absolutely decimated the infrastructure of the province subway system and it took a very long time before anybody felt safe even like going down there to investigate and so the the subway system was abandoned and alternate means of public transportation were created but Within those tunnels, I think it's fair to say that Dr. Charles McManus Jr. has constructed a base. Or maybe it was always there. 
and he was not deterred by the crisis. But either way, yeah, you tail him as best you can to the entrance of one of those subway tunnels. Most of them have been sealed up across the city. I think this one is one of the only ones that remains open, and I think as a result of that, or sorry, I think a direct reason for that is simply because it's sort of on the outskirts of the city. Now, what you probably saw was Dr. Victory disappear through a, a secret entrance, like um, an alley somewhere in the city where there was a, a section of the ground of the alley that sort of just dropped slowly out from under him, kind of like a, um, an elevator would, and he sort of just drifted down and it slid shut over top of him. You were not able to get through, and I didn't recognize you if you tried to stand in the same spot. However, you knew enough from the comics to know roughly where it is. So you find an entrance to the subway that is still open in the city, and you make your way through those tunnels. It is dark, obviously. Very gross. Not your favorite place that you've ever been. Lots of rats. Lots of weird echoing noises. But eventually, you manage to find a door that was actually sectioned off by a solid brick wall. And it's a metal sort of bomb shelter style door with the victory crest emblazoned on it, tarnished by age. I think there is a scanner on one side of it. In the shape of a handprint. What do you do? I will text Dr. Rev and say, Hey doc, I'm outside. Bus begin. <laughs> uh, very appropriate. Very appropriate. I think unfortunately, like many of your messages that you've sent over the past couple of weeks, you receive no reply. In that case, uh, I guess first thing I'll try is, um, you know, I doubt that... Um, He's given me access, but I'll, I'll try scanning. I'll try scanning my hand. And hope that it doesn't trigger any, like, lasers to shoot at me. Yeah, you place your hand over the handprint scanner, and it, it flickers at first. Like, it hasn't been used in a very long time, and when you pull your hand away, there is a layer of dust covering it. But, surprisingly, it beeps and turns green. And with a shriek of rusted metal, the locks in the door withdraw, and it swings open, giving you access. I am imagining, and let me know if this doesn't jive with your mental image, I'm happy to revisit it, um, but what I'm imagining is sort of a dome, essentially. It reads super I'm sorry, it reads superhero hideout. It's got like big computer terminals and mementos from past victories on the walls, pun not intended. Mm -hmm. It is shockingly well-organized and well-kept, considering the way that Dr. McManus's house has always been since you've been visiting. Yeah, I, mean, like, I was picturing that it had like lots of like library shelves, that it had like trophies, like specialized workout equipment, and I had like a victory computer that is still a very powerful supercomputer, but it was also made in the 80s, so it is just absurdly gigantic and janky. All of the above can be found here. I think standing in front of 
the victory computer back to you. You see the um, tall and muscular form of Dr. Victory. You know, Doc, we wouldn't have to do this if you would just learn to buzz me in. Ah, and he spins uh, on his heel. If he's surprised to see you, he does not show it. He is wearing his full costume from the comics, you know, the V emblazoned across the front of it. He is still old, as we established the last time you saw him, still definitely advanced in his years. However, he looks much closer physically to 40 than he does to 60. Mm-hmm. His hair still retains a little bit of the uh, ginger coloring that he once possessed, largely faded to gray, but not entirely. Any wrinkles on his face are the product of, you know, smiling too widely. He rounds to face you, fists on his hips, looking every inch the, uh, the superhero. Ah, victory lad, there you are. Starting to wonder where you've been. Because, um, I was going to ask you why you've been avoiding me. Looks very confused and says, avoiding you, I've... Why, why would I avoid you? I've simply been preoccupied. Again, what I was going to ask you, you don't feel like we should maybe talk? Well, I... Truthfully, I wasn't certain what there was to discuss, if I'm... Being honest with you, I I thought that we understood one another, and I, I apologize if you felt neglected, but I, I, I would hope that you would know that I trust you to handle any matters of crime or danger the city may face. Who's Teresa? Teresa, Teresa. I'm, I'm not sure I know a Teresa. Dr. M, I don't know what's going on here, but do you, do you, do you remember getting your powers back? Of course I do. You, you, that didn't seem strange to you at all. You just got your powers back all of a sudden? I figure it was only a matter of time. Deathless Comrade's machine could only contain the power of this physique for so long. He, fle- he definitely flexes when he that. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think Alex, like, without even thinking about it, also just kind of, like, flexes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. M, something, something is going on here, and I, and we need to talk about it. You got your powers back suddenly, and I, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that it happened at the same time that I entered the Victory Mindscape. Mm. You entered the mindscape. Yeah, have you been in there lately? I'm afraid I haven't. I've been quite preoccupied. So there's a guy in there. There's you. But like a you who was never Dr. Victory. Curious. And he has a wife named Teresa. You never mentioned being married to me. Well, I, I never was married. I wasn't lying to you when I said I I don't think I know a Teresa. Okay. Okay, then first things first. You and me, like, I need you, I need, I, I, I need you to talk to this guy. I need you to try and figure this, help me figure this out. Alex, the, 
Victory Mindscape is a complicated place. There are... It's not an actual realm. It's more of a unconscious demiplane. Sometimes these things, uh, I call them phantoms. They, they wander in and out, and they're often confused. Sometimes, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to what they look like or who they resemble or what it is they say, and truthfully, I'm not sure what exactly they are other than perhaps the unconscious daydreams of other people just sort of wafting in on the breeze of, of dreaming. But the Mindscape is the purview of, well, up until you, I suppose, just me. It was a place where I could go and try to put things in perspective, view the larger picture, and perhaps get a little guidance from the universe. So, well, in that case, um, what do you think this phantom you was trying to tell me? Perhaps a message, but perhaps nothing. It's the unfortunate truth of the, of the mindscape. Was that the only thing you saw there? Not exactly. Um, I also saw... An argument that I think you had once with Paragon. And I assume you entered with a specific question in mind. Well, you were in a coma at the time, and I was feeling a little bit uh, out of sorts. Um, do you remember that? How we were talking about Deathless Comrade and you had a seizure? Uh, yes, I do somewhat recall that. You'd said you'd encountered Deathless Comrade. Yes. Well, if he shows his face around these parts, I'm sure we'll make him understand what a mistake that was, won't we? I, sure. I mean, I'd, I'd love to kick his ass again. Um, but again, I'm just, like, I'm worried about you, Dr. M. And I'm a bit... I just don't understand why you wouldn't... Why Again, you say you haven't been avoiding me, but it sure feels like you have been. Like, you don't want to talk about this? Or, or beyond beyond that, what about my training, you know? Would have thought this would be a great opportunity, but it seems like you, you've you've come back and like I don't know. It's like you kind of forgot I existed. Uh, Alex, I'm sorry if I made you feel that way. What I was trying to say earlier is that I I trusted you to handle any matters on your own or with your new team. I would be more than happy to resume your training. He puts a hand on your shoulder and says, You're right. I've been neglectful in my mentorship. It's just you've... You've impressed me so much since you first started on this journey with how far you've come and everything you've accomplished. 
think sometimes I forget exactly how short a time it's been. Well, I mean, like, I, I don't want to, I don't act like I'm not happy for you, Doc. Like, I'm thrilled. Like, I mean, like this right here, like, I mean, like this is like a dream come true for me right here. I, you know, I guess I just kind of, I guess I just always kind of saw myself being there, you know? And here you are. Here we are. Partners. And he kind of uh, gives you a little shoulder chuck that would, you know, send a normal man flying, but you're fine. He is attempting to shift your labels, though. He's attempting to shift... He's going to try to shift your superior up and your mundane down. I'm going to try to roll to reject it, just because on the one hand, Alex is definitely vulnerable in this situation, but he's still just a little bit suspicious. Like, there's still too many things that he's not... He wants he, he he wants to go along with this, but there is a part of his brain that is, like, telling him that something is still up here. So I'm going to try to roll to resist it. All right, straight 2d6 roll. Straight 2d6. Ah, uh, that is a six. All right. Do I mark an advance for failing to... Um, not advance, a potential yeah. for... Okay. Every single time. Cool. I wasn't sure since it was not technically a move. It is technically a move, uh, but technically it's... Oh, it is? Okay. It's just not one of the basic moves. So you are trying to, you know, keep a level head about these things and stay focused and sort of not, you know, fall into this honey trap, essentially. But in this particular case, the words do hit you hard. Maybe because it's all you ever wanted to hear. Maybe because no one's ever said anything like this to you before in your life. But for whatever reason, it hits. And you're going to shift your superior up, your mundane down. You have been doing as good of a job as he says you have been. You are going to have to mark a condition as well. And that condition is going to be uh, guilty for ever doubting him. Guilty? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, partners. You know, I think I think I like the sound of that. Um, I mean, so it seems like uh, I think the door over there let me in. I don't know. Does the one up in the alley? He pauses for just a second, looking over at the door, and then says, "Yes, of course, I." I added you to the database. Must have forgotten to incorporate that into the into the victory lift. I'll remedy that forthwith. I apologize. No, not a you know, not a problem. I tracked you down eventually. Cold place. I mean, I think I think they only showed this place in the comics once. I think. I'll admit that when I was writing it, I was worried that uh, going into too much detail might give away the secret location. I mean, I it, I remember being pretty impressed when I first read it. Those, it's it's honestly even cooler in person. I kind of like the decaying '80s vibe. Oh, is that a is that a one ton heavy bag? He laughs and says, "It sure is, lad. Perhaps you're right. <laughs> Perhaps it is in need of a little bit of updating. I would love to get your input and your help with that, since since this is as much as your layer as it is mine. 
But how have you been? Alex, I'm, I'm realizing now how much time has passed since we last spoke, and... Have you been well? I, um... I don't know. I could be better. Um... I mean, you know... This whole thing with you and your powers, not being able to talk to you. you know, I'd be stressed out. I was worried about you. But, I don't know. Things with the squad have been... Tense. He sort of leans back against the Victory Computer console and crosses one leg across the other. Says, would you like to... Would you like to tell me what's going on? I'm no stranger to inter-team conflict. As a, uh, it sounds like you saw in the Mindscape. I mean, I'm not going to hear anybody's business, but um, I, uh, I put my trust into some of them. I thought that they trusted me, too. I found out that they didn't trust me as much as I trusted them. And, you know, maybe that's maybe that's my fault. Maybe that's on me. But I don't know. It hurt. I kind of blew up with them about it. Probably wasn't my best moment. I don't know. I want to go back and, like, apologize. Like, I want... But I don't know. Like, I'm still... Still pretty smarting about it. I just don't really know what to do. Well, trust is earned. In my experience, secrets don't have to detract from that trust. In this line of work, unfortunately, there are plenty of reasons to keep secrets. And I'm afraid that if you... Afraid if you convince yourself that... Everyone will tell you everything all of the time. You're only setting yourself up for disappointment. Now the real question is, can you trust despite that? Can you trust that they will watch your back? Can you trust that they won't betray you? Can you trust that they will keep your secrets if you choose to reveal it to them? Trust is not a leap, Alex. It's a series of steps. I don't know if I can. But I want to. Puts a hand back on your shoulder. Says, Then take that first step. All right. Thanks. Um, thanks, Dr. Dr. V. I needed that. I'm just glad I could help. You rethinking Victory Lad? I think it has a nice ring to it in the context of the two of us. Uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate that you like it, uh, Dr. V, but um, it's all the same to you. I'm good with just, uh, I'm good with just Victory. Puts a hand up and says, all right, all right, I'm not going to force it. What do you think about, um, what do you think about making your pose slightly more official? How do you mean? I think we could incorporate it into the brand. You could do it. I could do it. I think it's, it's quite whimsical. No, no. You, oh, you want to start? Oh, wait, you want to start doing the pose? I think we should uh, take some steps to make sure that uh, we are syncopated, considering that we're going to be 
working more closely together publicly. I'll be out in the field. You'll be out in the field. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what'd you have in mind? Well, perhaps, uh, aside from updating this place, uh, I could update my costume. And in the process, perhaps, uh, we could find a few ways to bring it in, in line, bring yours in line as well. Just, a uh, something to start with. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. I think, I think that, I think that works a little, uh, little, uh, uh, brand streamlining. Yeah. I've got a lot to learn in that regard that wasn't nearly as much of a concern back in the day, but also there was much less uh, competition. I'm still sort of getting my feet back under me and figuring out what the next moves for us should be. All right, well, uh, unfortunately, um, Prince pretty dead. But, uh, I mean, I tell you what, hey, you know, I'm happy to keep handling the social media. That would be excellent. That is a field that I am not well-versed in. At that moment, the victory computer starts flashing red. And he turns around and starts typing on the keyboard incredibly fast and, and says, Ah, trouble in progress. I'd best be off. Uh, anything I can help with? Oh, I wouldn't want to bother you with it. It's probably a fairly straightforward matter. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't mind. And he like gives you sort of a side long smile and says, Are you sure? Yeah. Well then let's show the world what the victories can do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you take the lift up, uh, to the, uh, to the alley and immediately, you know, he starts super leaping towards the source of the alert. You follow. It's a very straightforward sort of supervillain brawl. And the two of you work together to, to put the supervillain in question down. I imagine for Alex, it's probably very, probably relieves a lot of stress for one thing. The rest of the time that passes during those two weeks, you can kind of decide where this meeting falls on the timeline. If it was sort of at the tail end, and then like right after that, you decide to reconnect with the group, or uh, maybe you spend a few more days or, you know, a week helping Dr. Victory revamp the brand and maybe redecorate the, the hideout and fight crime. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably, have, probably spend the first week looking. We had this meeting, the second week is, uh, is uh, victory time. Some quality victory time. Some quality victory time. We have a couple other start of session moves. I think the next one that I know of, Lyra. Oh boy. Bethel has one. Because you are the Janus, we get to check in on how your uh, mundane responsibilities have been going during this time period. So you're going to roll with mundane. Which I just shifted down. Oh, an interesting choice. I mean, it's still technically my highest one, but it was three and now it's two. So it is a seven. It means I have lapsed on one of them. You have. You've lapsed on one of your obligations and you get to decide which one. So before the last time we did this role, only two of my three obligations were in effect. Have I, has the school year started? 
at Powers U. It has. Yes, your school year at Powers U has started in those two weeks. So far, it's been, you know, you went to orientation, you've kind of been getting situated in the lab and getting to know your lab mates, getting to know your professor a little bit better. It's been a lot of like orientation, icebreakers, that kind of thing. But you've been assured that the real work will be starting soon. In the context of everything that had happened right before the two-week jump with her sister Nina coming back into the family's life with her fake fiancé and everything, and then almost immediately being arrested, which is something she still needs to deal with, she still has to talk to. If she can, she still wants to talk to Luminary about it, because she was literally about to (laughs) right before all that shit went down. But I think what makes the most sense is that the social aspect slipped, which for her is close relatives in regards to like her parents or her grandparents, but just in general, her home life. I think with everything that's happening, it's so tense around the house. And she has that added level of like knowing more than they do about the situation that she just like can't watch her mother go through this. And so she's not around as much. And she makes excuses, saying it's school, saying it's work. Really, a lot of it is probably running around doing hero stuff because she's still very frustrated about the whole powers aspect of it. But uh, So I think that's where it's fallen down, is her home life. And I think a lot of that is probably due to the fact that shortly after you got home and had a chance to decompress from everything that happened at the kettle, your family had Glenn over for dinner. Obviously, it was very uncomfortable for Lyra, but most notably, I think you probably came home or came downstairs in the middle of the meal, saw Glenn sitting there. You know, your mom called you over said, Lyra, I hope you're not planning to just sneak upstairs. I mean, I wanted to, you know, take a swap, like take a shower and change. I'm very gross right now. What? What's he doing here, Mom? Glenn uh, turns to look at you and he kind of has a somber expression on his face and says, uh, well, I'm, I'm afraid, uh, afraid, Lyra, that your sister has um, been called away from province on business. You didn't go with her? Seems strange. You were traveling together, I just assumed. I had wanted to, and um, we were actually planning to make a trip out of it, but unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say that, but there's um, there's a young student at um, the Brandt Academy here in Province who is, um, is currently experiencing some rather scary complications from their abilities. And I've been asked to look into it. That's my field, as I'm sure you'll remember. Mm-hmm. Suppression and all that. Potentially. That's one avenue. So I, I had to remain behind, but you're... Your parents have been very generous, and sounds like they're going to try to 
have me over as often as they can. And they all laugh together. And, and your mom puts a hand on his back and says, I just can't think of you alone in that new house. And it's so empty. You should be with family. Right. Family's important. If you'll excuse me. I think I'm just gonna go. Your mom nods like she, she'll accept the excuse of schoolwork, where she wouldn't normally accept anything else, and says, I'll bring you your dinner in a few minutes. I appreciate it. And she's going to go upstairs. And I think that's probably the first time she's seen Glenn in a while. Because I think she has probably gone to see Burke. But she's probably tried to make very, very carefully clear that she does not run into him there. Definitely. And, and when you visited Burke, you have seen that they're in a research lab, basically. Uh, there is a hospital bed, but it has been laid out flat uh, as they are contained within that energy cocoon. And that's just kind of laid out. There are lots of different arrays of instruments and things like that, sensors positioned around them, the screens of these machines displaying lots of different flows of information, and none of it really means anything to you, but presumably they're doing the best they can to help them. Lyra just, she feels responsible that anything happened to them because she let them come with them. So she, Lyra probably is very frustrated now that she goes, she goes up to her room and after trying to avoid seeing Glenn for this long, for him to just show up in her space when she made it, she feels like she made it abundantly clear that she wants him to have nothing to do with her family at this point. She's going to be big mad about it. Do her, do her prerequisites. Do her English 101 paper <laughs> for her. <laughs> for her mandatory what are those called base levels i actually think powers university being the institution that it is probably gives you the option to test out of those as long as you get a certain score you do not have to take those like base level classes and you can just sort of focus on the program that you're actually there for yeah maybe this is just the test out material yeah probably you're probably gearing up for that so that makes sense so yeah, between your, your schoolwork and Glenn kind of skulking around your family's house and the guilt of what happened to Burke, had a very eventful and busy couple of weeks. I will say she does text, I guess, out of respect for the fact that Alex said he did not, he was taking leave. She does not text him, but she does have a group text that is just for the other two. And literally all it is, is just a status update request to make sure everyone is still alive and unarrested because I don't know if she's had enough time to actually go back with everything. And moving uh, right along, Danny. All right. So, so I've been thinking about how Danny feels about everything with Berkeley. Cause Berkeley was originally put under Danny's care. And then Danny bailed because of Danny's own bullshit. So I think Danny would like to remember, see if he remembers Berkeley in the future at all. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. Well, and so there's that. And then there's also your start of session. So these are like two separate things, but they're very obviously tied together. Yeah, I figured we could, I was, my goal was to just kind of put them, uh, 
investigating Berkeley would also be part of what he would be doing. Interesting. Combining right. the two, if that was okay with you. Yeah. Him. That is fine. Um, actually, that makes a lot of sense. It, we might have to do it in two roles, but we can combine them because um, your start of session move, you have to choose one of the figures that you want to try to remember something about. And so you'll have to... Uh, right. I was curious if I could do them, just kind of fudge the other one later. I could do one of my ones I already have first and then do the other well, one. Well, what but. I was thinking is that you can you can use you can try to rem- see if you can remember who Berkeley is in the future and if so, then that can be the subject of your research. Perfect. All right. And I got mm, I got a 5. Oh. Very cool. I'm going to say you don't remember Berkeley from the future. That is totally fair. All right. So then I feel like I would have been investigating crossroads this whole time then i would say roll with savior well i wouldn't say that that's what you have to do cool (laughs) and that time i got a nine okay cool uh don't forget to mark a potential because you failed that Mm -hmm. first roll but with a nine so you found a lead in your research into crossroads and i'm going to say that it is in one of the books that you quote unquote stole from raven home manor borrowed yeah, right, right. Quote unquote borrowed also because he just kind of saw you do it and then was like, ugh. I had a library card. <laughs> you did have a card. I mean, it was for Chili's, but you know. Same thing. So the lead that you find is not specifically about Crossroads, but you do find a passage in the book as you're reading through it that talks about summoning demons. And the general consensus that you find in that passage is that demons cannot enter the world, the living world, of their own accord or under their own power. Somebody would have had to summon Crossroads and they would have had to know Crossroads' true name in order to do that. So if you can find the person that summoned Crossroads originally, who brought him into the world and freed him from hell, then you might be able to get a hold of his true name. Then I think that's how Danny uh, would be spending his time. If not only doing the research of who Crossroads has worked with in the past by basically going over as many archives as he can find, but also maybe trying to recall conversations. Because even in the future, I don't think Danny and Crossroads would have been you know, exceptionally close. People still talk. So maybe it's possible that there might be something someone had said to him once upon a time. So he would, you know, spend some of that time also trying to work on his own uh, mental state. You don't have a ton of leads. There's, there are plenty of articles written about Crossroads, lots of photos, um, plenty of, you know, coverage of times that he has clashed with, you know, this superhero or that superhero. He seems to have come in conflict with Nightfall from the Union Heroic quite a lot. And that is, in fact, who you saw him fight uh, when you first arrived in the present. And would it be possible for Danny to contact them? To It is possible. I will say you can try that, but it's, it's going to be like you will have spent the two weeks doing this research, and then you can keep that as something that you want to do as we get into the current play. Perfect. So you've been spending a lot of this time, it sounds like, in the white room. Yes. And um, also, Danny's bedroom uh, is no longer accessible. 
The door is gone. There is just a portal that if you walk into, you immediately walk back out. That makes sense. And I think for, for the first week, you are once again pretty much alone in the suite. Alex is still gone. Bethel's there when she's able to be, but is very busy otherwise. Probably just checking in periodically. But for the second week, Casimir's back. And Casimir, around the start of the second week, you were contacted by Leo, who would have asked you to come back to the campus, with the emphasis that you're not in trouble and everything is going to get figured out. I think that tracks perfectly with what I was thinking, because I think after what happened with Burke, Kaz pretty much ran and just left and did not respond to any attempts to contact him. And I think he went back to his father's house and spent the first week hiding out there. And I mean, to be fair, that is probably the safest place you could ever be. I do think that over the course of that week, your father was away attending to some kind of business that required his immediate attention. You would have been told that by some of his subordinates, but obviously they're not going to kick you out of the house or you know, tell you you can't be there. But after a week, your phone would ring, probably just from the Brandt Academy, since you don't have Magil set up. And I think by that point, Kaz was honestly so lonely that his thoughts were pretty much along the line of, like, fuck it, what's the worst that can happen? And so he answered. Casimir, I wasn't sure you'd pick up. I'm glad you did. It's Professor Sobrero. I just wanted to check on you. Make sure you're okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm every okay. I, I I can't even bring myself to say everything's fine. Um, I'm alive. Yeah. Hey, that's um, that's not nothing, especially given. Well, I, I mean, I heard what what happened with um, Alistair. Yeah, that was uh. That was something. Look, if if this is a we're kicking you out of the school call, we can just jump to that point. Um, it's totally it's totally cool. I understand. It's 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 not. Uh, it's not. It's a. Would you like to come back? Call. It's been a chaotic couple of weeks, but this may sound empty, and I understand why you ran, but you never had to leave. I guess it just kind of felt like I did, especially after what happened to Burke. And I'm really, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, I, I promised I would keep them safe when we went into the club, but I didn't know what was about to happen. Look, that's what happened with Burke is not 
any person's fault. Their powers are fluctuating. And for all we know, this would have happened whether they were at school or at the club. We're looking into it, and they're stable, and nobody blames you. I'm really glad to hear that they're stable. I, I don't want to bring you back in and have you think it's under false pretenses, so I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. And if this changes your mind in any way, then, then that's, that's fine. It's your choice. But the headmaster is setting up a meeting with Director Stricker later on in the week to discuss everything. And just so you know, it is the staunch position of the Brandt Academy that you remain on the squad and a member of the school. If I come back and it's decided at that meeting that I go into custody, is that just what happens then? It won't come to that. You've done nothing wrong. That doesn't seem to be what he thinks. Just, if you're willing, just trust me on this. I know you haven't known the headmaster for a very long time, but I wouldn't counter out. And I think it would go a long way to clearing your name if you were there for the meeting. If that's all right with you. I mean, I mean, fuck it. What? What do I have to lose, I guess? Okay. Look forward to seeing you soon. Leo? Yes? Thank you for still having faith in me. You kind of hear him pause, breathing on the other end of the line. Enough time goes by that you maybe think he hung up if it wasn't for the fact that you could hear him breathing. And after some time passes, he says, Like I said, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, well, again, thank you. Don't mention it. And with that, he will hang up. And I think uh, after you all have your very, the rest of your very eventful weeks, you would have been made aware that there was going to be a, uh, a sit-down meeting between the Extraordinary Investigations Bureau and the faculty of the Brandt Academy to discuss the Casimir situation, and Casimir was going to be present. Lyra and Danny, you would have received a visit to the suite when you were both present, from probably Clara and Leo, basically explaining the situation and letting you know the time frame and just keep you in the loop. Before they left, I think Leo would pause and say to the two of you, Casimir, I think, is going to be present at this meeting, just to really drive home that he doesn't have a reason to run. And I think it would probably go a long way for him to have his friends there. I was going to say I would be there whether I'm invited or not. I will be there for Cass. Lyra, I'm assuming you would 
let Alex know that that was happening. Yes, I was going to say my my next comment would be that Lyra would still send him through Magil, probably the calendar invite <laughs> once she has it. Just uh, just just no real context, just a calendar invite. Alex just one day when he's out with Doctor Victory gets a gets a ping from Magil, and it's just an invitation to <laughs> the Kaznapping meeting. No other context from Bethel. Alex does not immediately respond to the calendar invite. But the big question is, do you show up? Yes, yes, of course Alex shows up. All right. So at the end of these two weeks, you all gather in Troy Hall, the largely uh, academic building on campus where a lot of the classrooms and educational facilities are, lecture halls and things like that, but also the headmaster's office. And it is a rather large room, as you might expect. There's a lot of solid wooden furniture, a few pictures up on the wall, though no portraits of any specific people or anything like that, mostly just sort of like impressionistic landscapes and things. A good deal of shelving that has volumes of text. It seems almost impersonal except for a few items. On one wall, there is a picture frame that contains a lot of medals. If you examine them closer, you would be able to tell that they are police medals. But that doesn't surprise you, given what you know about the headmaster's history as the cop superhero known as the Shield. Up on the wall, behind her desk, between these two large windows that look out across the campus, there is a chest plate in the shape of a shield made out of a burnished metal that looks kind of like gold but you know can't be gold and it has a single crack running through the center of it almost top to bottom but not quite all the way through and headmaster christine adams as serious looking and severe as she ever is sits behind the desk hands clasped in front of her. Off to one side, there are a couple of chairs where Leo sits, Clara sits. To her left, I will say, there's one chair where you, Kaz, sit. And directly across the desk from her, there is director Arthur Stricker, tall and sharply featured bald man of indeterminate age. Seated next to him in a chair is Special Agent Riggs, whom you would know from your encounter on the street. She is of average height. She has a very blank business-like expression on. She has blonde hair that is cut fairly close to her head. They're both wearing more or less identical suits, though without earpieces. And I think probably standing maybe a little ways back off to the side where Kaz is seated are Alex, Bethel, and Danny. The conversation has been going back and forth for some time now, a fair number of arguments flying back and forth, you know, the headmaster basically asking what it is that the EIB is getting out of the situation, and Stricker replying in kind, well, it's, it's about 
threat assessment. It's about understanding what exactly it is that we're dealing with here, especially given the family. And the headmaster nodding sort of slowly and saying, well, that is indeed one of the intentions of the squad program to help powered young people determine what it is that they're able to do, the exact capacity of their abilities, and how best to implement them responsibly. Stricker would have, of course, countered that and said, but I'm sure you can appreciate that in a situation where those abilities prove to be perhaps beyond the capability of an educational institution to contain should fall to the proper investigative authorities to look into it. The headmaster responding, Has that happened? Stricker would gesture to Riggs, who would clear her throat and give a very by-the-numbers account of what took place on the street. The headmaster, hearing all of those points out, nods slowly and says, So it sounds like your agents and your operative had an encounter with the entire squad, so I imagine you'd be needing to take all of them in. Stricker kind of like drawing himself up a little bit with a deep breath and letting it out. If it comes to that, I guess we would. The headmaster nodding slowly again, taking that into consideration, she sits back and makes a very exaggerated show of thoughts and then turns her head towards Leo, where he is seated, and says, Professor Sobrero, my memory is not what it used to be. I forget. Are any of the members of Squad H minors? And Leo says, yes, quite a few of them. And the headmaster nods slowly and says, so you would need uh, parental consent. We would have to get in touch with the parents and uh, let them know about the situation before your uh, government institution would be able to take them into custody, question them. You understand, of course. Stricker sort of closes his eyes in frustration, nods like he understands the play, says, well, we did a fair amount of uh, research into Casimir Bright. We know that he is not a minor, so just doing our due diligence, we will need to question him at the very least. And the headmaster says in reply to that, has he committed a crime? And Stricker opens his mouth to reply, but before he can, Riggs says, no. Technically, the property that was damaged in our encounter belonged to his father, and the damage to the pavement was caused by our operative, technically. And the headmaster nods at that, sort of a slow smile creeping across her face as she says, well, as the EIB is a United States government organization and therefore adheres to all of the rules and regulations with regards to the civil rights of the people it may or may not question, it sounds like we're done here. Stricker, who is uh, sitting in the chair with one hand sort of grasping the armrest 
and the other opening and contracting into a fist again and again. You can notice that the hand that is sort of gripping the armrest, the knuckles are white. But he nods slowly and says, I guess we are, as long as he stays out of trouble. The headmaster sits back in her chair again, relaxing a little bit, and says, uh, I don't think you need to worry about that, Arthur. I'm quite good at my job. As you may recall when I led the union. When you were on it, you remember. Stricker gives her the thinnest smile imaginable and stands up and walks out the door. Riggs follows. I will say, before Riggs leaves, Lyra does want to move to intercept her. And she does just kind of pause politely and she... This is Riggs that you're talking to. Yeah, okay. Riggs, who has been very businesslike, very stone-faced this entire time, kind of is just following after Stricker with her hands crossed behind her back. So you sort of intercept and extend your hand. I think what Lyra says is when she extends her hand, she will say, it was nice to see you on in an official capacity. She doesn't break character. She doesn't break the stone-faced expression, but she will reach out and take your hand and give you a firm handshake and say, likewise, also like to apologize for the conduct of our operative. He's volatile. Well, I would like to think maybe he can take what happened to him as a learning lesson. I think that does get her to break. I think a, a guffaw escapes before she can properly contain it. Um, and then she tries to compose herself as quickly as she can and still can't quite contain the sarcasm when she says, let's hope. Then Lyra's going to step back. She nods to the rest of you and leaves. The headmaster is going to stand up and walk to the other side of the desk, kind of over by where Leo and Clara are. They stand up at the same time and Headmaster Adams looks at the four of you and says, well, that's that. Thank you, ma'am, for letting us be here. You can thank Professor Sobrero. I only did what was demanded of me by my job and a strong desire to cooperate with the United States government. <laughs> I think Kaz actually laughs a bit at that, which is shocking because throughout this entire conversation, he has just been like a complete ball of tension. And as soon as Stricker and Riggs left, he just kind of like collapsed in on himself. But hearing the headmaster say that, he does kind of snicker a bit. Absolutely not breaking character for a second. The headmaster looks down at some of the papers that are strewn across her desk and without even looking up at the four of you says uh the four of you can go counselor perkins professor sobrero if you would stay behind there are a few matters we should discuss while you're here kind of gonna mosey on out of that one <laughs> and kaz does thank the headmaster and leo again before he leaves when you thank the headmaster again i think she will look up at you not sharply but severely and say mr bright don't you have somewhere to be 
Yes, ma'am. And he's going to leave. Leo and Claire would probably shoot you, like, reassuring smiles as you are exiting, but that's it. And they stay behind to talk with the headmaster. Leaving uh, the four of you together on campus for the first time in a little bit. I think Kaz is going to actually look to Alex first and say, I know none of you had to show up today to be there for me, but especially for you, Alex, thank you for coming back. I know I fucked up and you had no reason to come back to stand in my corner. Man, I had every reason to stand in your corner. I... Look. Yeah, what you did... I'm I'm not going to pretend that I'm not still a little bit mad about it, about the whole thing. But I'm I'm not just going to... abandon you to that asshole. I'm taking a step. And I guess... um, as long as I'm um, standing here shuffling awkwardly. Uh, I guess um, uh, as far as things that need to be said, um, uh, Bethel, first of all, uh, I apologize uh, for the unprofessional way in uh, which I uh, prefaced my leave of absence. Um, but I would like to formally request a reinstatement to the squad, if that's possible. Lyra reaches into her into her boot, and she gets out her phone, and she adds Alex to the group chat, <laughs> <laughs> and she says, and she she goes, consider yourself reinstated. Yeah. puts it puts it back in her puts Magil back in her boot. <laughs> As you do so, I think it, it, your Magil will say, Welcome back, Alex. It's good, good to be back, Matt. So, um, I heard a little bit about, uh, what happened while I was gone. Um, but, uh, I don't know much. Um, you guys want to fill me in? Lay yeah, back to the room? Let's go, let's go back to the room. Maybe have some, have some tea. Or something to do with our hands while we have this discussion. And I guess we'll see if if Danny comes out of his room. Because that hasn't been happening lately. This was the first time I've seen him since I got back on campus. There's a discussion, I think, that needs to be had with Danny about this whole sequestering thing. I feel like it's at odds with the reason why he's on a team with us if he's not going to ask us to help. But that's a conversation we can't have until he shows his face, so. And so I think as you as you walk across the Brand Academy campus from Troy Hall to Ellis Tower, the camera pans out as Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. <laughs> fades in and we will 
end that episode there. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined, it really does help us out so much. The donation link to our First Nations Development Institute fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help support Indigenous communities. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus, with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Character art by at OxyBellasDraws on Twitter and Instagram. never mentioned being married to me well i wasn't married to you i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) sorry all right okay yeah actually no all right yeah okay i said i couldn't uh i couldn't resist he doesn't say that um no No, it's canon now (laughs) i can sense it on the wind fix it in post um (laughs) no you said it it's true uh it's for the stinger Um. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>